Greetings, Bill Schlegel here. This video presents one of the most significant unknown events in the Hebrew Bible. What I'm going to talk about is the decimation of the Assyrian army in Judea in around 700 BC, that's 2,700 years ago, in the days of King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah. And one of the evidences that this is significant is that it is described in three different books of the Bible. If you're a podcast listener, it might be better to view this on the video that I'll upload. If you're only listening, I think you can still get the gist of it, but you might want to be able to see pictures and maps in the video. Now, the significance of the decimation of the Assyrian army in Judea I suggest there's two main points. And the first point is that there is an amazing correlation, an agreement from three different sources of this event from 2,700 years ago. First of all, we have the Bible, of Isaiah and 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. But then we also have archaeological finds in the land of Israel that correlate and agree, support, and enhance the biblical description as well as Assyrian written records and archaeological finds. So these three different sources all come together, I think probably in a way that is not the case for any other biblical event. And the close correlation of the biblical record to the archaeological finds and the ancient Assyrian records is strong evidence that the Bible is presenting a real historical event. So that's one of the things that this episode will present, is this close correlation between the archaeological and non-biblical historical records and biblical record. The second point is, I think that this event, it's so significant that the biblical writers are presenting it as a parallel to the destruction of the Egyptian military at the Reed Sea when God brought Israel out of Egypt. Most people know the biblical claim that Yahweh destroyed the Egyptian army in the Reed Sea, but are not familiar with Yahweh's destruction of the Assyrian army in the hills of Judah. And in both cases, the authors are saying that this is evidence that Yahweh is the supreme God and that he is with Israel and Judah. So a couple of quick Bible verses to set the scene here, reading from the prophet Isaiah's description here in Isaiah chapter 36 and one verse from 37, 8, we read, In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. So there are a couple of main players there, King Hezekiah of Judah and King Sennacherib of Assyria. Isaiah continues, And the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. We'll see that the king of Assyria was very proud of his conquest of this Judean city of Lachish. And while he's there, he sends a military messenger to threaten Hezekiah in Jerusalem. And after delivering that message, the Rabshakeh will return, and he found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. 
Now here's a picture of the ruins of the city of Lachish. It's a tell, it's just a ruin of accumulated debris that has been excavated and these archaeological finds are really an amazing enhancement and correlation with the biblical and Assyrian description of the conquest of this city by Sennacherib. So keep that name Lachish in mind. But let's just back up for a second into history and notice that the Assyrian Empire, its capital was in Nineveh, Mesopotamia, and it is expanding east, west, north. It's eventually going to make its way to Egypt, but along the way it needs to subdue the smaller states like Israel and Judah. The Assyrian Empire was probably the strongest empire the world had known up until this time. And the Assyrians made their way into the Promised Land, into the land of Israel. They will be the ones that take the northern kingdom into captivity. As you see here, these arrows on the map pointing toward the city of Samaria, which was conquered and its people deported in 722 B.C. And the Assyrians continue onto the coast, taking some of the Philistine cities. Remember, they're on their way to Egypt. And look what's happening is Judah is being confined or boxed in. And here are our two cities, Lachish, and about 25 or so miles away is Jerusalem. So the kings in Judah, Ahaz and his son Hezekiah, are living through this conquest and deportation of their brothers in the north. But now Assyria was demanding that Judah submit or else as well. We can imagine how terrifying the situation was for the inhabitants of Judah, the world's largest military empire conquering Judean territory. We look again at Isaiah chapter 36. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army. Let's put this event on the map. You can see the Assyrians continue into the coastal plain and now into Judah. They conquer a city called Azekah, another city that Sennacherib boasted of his conquest. He said it was like an eagle's nest, but he took it by battering rams and sappers and deported its people. And then he continues. Further south, here's our city, Lachish, which we will see the king of Assyria had to boast about something in all this conquest in Judah. He will depict the conquest of the city of Lachish in his throne room in his palace back in Nineveh. And remember, it's from Lachish that he sends the Rabshakeh with a very large army to threaten Hezekiah in Jerusalem and say, hey, give up or you're next. Just like all these other kingdoms and cities have been subdued, you're going to be next. This is the threat from the Assyrian king, that King Hezekiah and Isaiah here. We'll talk about their response in just a minute. The Assyrian Rabshakeh emissary returns. Sennacherib has conquered Lachish, and now he finds Sennacherib moving one step closer toward Jerusalem, fighting against the town called Libna. So keep that historical backdrop in mind, and now let's look at the correlation and agreement of the archaeological finds with the biblical description. The first major archaeological correlation is what's called the Hezekiah's Tunnel and the Siloam Inscription. The Bible mentions King Hezekiah's 
waterworks, and tunnel construction. Second Chronicles 32 verse 4 says, A large force of men assembled, and they blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed in the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? In verse 30, Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of the Gihon and directed them down to the west side of the city of David. Archaeologists believe that Hezekiah commissioned the carving of a tunnel about 1,700 feet long underground and brought waters inside the city more accessible to the inhabitants of the city. And here's a picture of some people walking through this tunnel. As I say, it's about 1,700 feet long. Water still flows in it today from the Gihon Spring to the pools of Siloam. Now, just nearby where this gal was standing, where the red indicator is, in the late 1800s, they found a Paleo-Hebrew inscription etched into the side rock of the tunnel. The inscription itself was chiseled out and brought to the museum in Istanbul, Turkey. But here is a picture of it. The text describes the carving of this tunnel, as I mentioned in the Paleo-Hebrew script. There's some recent evidence that there were actually additional lines to this text, that King Hezekiah's name is specifically mentioned in those additional lines. We do have some other somewhat recent finds connected with the tunnel, both an inscription here in the left, a small fragment of a dedication inscription, where archaeologists maintain that both the name of Hezekiah and the Hebrew word for pool are mentioned in the inscription. Also, just recently, there are more inscriptions that have been discovered carved into the side of the tunnel, but they were missed in modern times because they were worn down with the passage of time over thousands of years. They're so faint, but now with super sensitive photography, the archaeologists are maintaining that we have additional inscriptional evidence that this tunnel was carved by King Hezekiah. Another archaeological find that corresponds with our event is a wall that was discovered in what's called the Western Hill of Jerusalem. We have the record, for instance, in 2 Chronicles 32.5 of Hezekiah building walls. He, Hezekiah, strengthened himself and built up all the wall that had been broken down and raised it up to the towers, and he built the other wall outside. Archaeologists believe that the reference to the other wall, another wall outside, is the, the one you see in this picture, which has been excavated in the modern Jewish quarter on the western hill of Jerusalem. Then we also have the archaeological evidence of the destruction of the high places, which occurred during the religious reforms of Hezekiah that are described in the Bible. For instance, 2 Chronicles 32.1 says, They went out to the towns of Judah and smashed the standing stones. They destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin. And we have evidence of this kind of destruction at several places. Among the main ones would be the town of Arad in the southern part of Judah, where there was a temple, a high place. And in that temple, there's an animal sacrificial altar and a holy of holies here where they found incense-burning altars and standing stones. And the archaeologists believe that this was all destroyed during the time of King Hezekiah.
another correlation between the historical record and the archaeological finds. Here's another example of an altar from Beersheba, which was most likely dismantled at the same time. Another archaeological find that corresponds to this time period and event are hundreds of storage jars whose handles are stamped with a seal that says, belonging to the king. The Bible describes Hezekiah had storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, and oil. You can see evidence of these kinds of storehouses at sites like this one, which is Tel Sheva near the modern city of Beersheba. This building right here is a storehouse for the storage of the grain and wine and oil. Here's another interesting archaeological find from the time period. These were found just south of the Temple Mount. Two clay boule, or two clay seal impressions, one with the name Isaiah on it and the other with the name Hezekiah on it. We don't know for sure if this is the prophet Isaiah. It's very interesting. It says, belonging to or of Isaiah. And then the next word is not entirely preserved, but it may be the word prophet. Epigraphers have argued over if it's the word prophet or maybe a site name. But for sure, we have reference here in the seal impression on the right to King Hezekiah. He's the son of Ahaz, king of Judah. So there's no question if King Hezekiah literally existed. We find archaeological evidences like these clay seal impressions. And they were found, as I mentioned, just here where that yellow arrow is pointing on the excavations in the south side of the modern Temple Mount area. It is quite amazing that both the names, Isaiah and Hezekiah, were found on these seal impressions so close to one another. And then turning to the historical and archaeological records of Assyria, a number of these prisms were found written by the ancient Assyrians, which record the annals of Sennacherib. Yes, that's the king of Assyria who came and tried to capture Hezekiah and Judah. This one is currently in the Oriental Institute of Chicago, but there are a number of others in existence as well. And from the annals of Sennacherib, the king himself describes his siege of Judah and mentions King Hezekiah. Here's what King Sennacherib wrote. As to Hezekiah the Jew, or Judean, he did not submit to my yoke. I laid siege to his strong cities, walled forts and countless small villages, and conquered them by means of well-stamped earthen ramps and battering rams, brought near the walls with an attack by foot soldiers. I drove out 200,150 people, young and old, male and female, horses, mules, donkeys, camels, big and small, cattle beyond counting, and considered them slaves. Himself, that is Hezekiah, I made a prisoner in Jerusalem, his royal residence, like a bird in a cage. So this Assyrian record is another extra-biblical reference to Hezekiah, king of Judah, in Jerusalem. Now note, Sennacherib was not able to conquer Jerusalem. He says, as to Hezekiah the Jew, I made him a prisoner in his royal residence like a bird in a cage. But since Sennacherib could not conquer Jerusalem, Sennacherib needed to boast about something. What he did is eventually he went back and 
decorated his throne room in a palace in Nineveh with a depiction of his siege of the city of Lachish. These are called the Lachish reliefs because the depictions of the people and other items are slightly raised up with a slight 3D effect. And this thing is huge. It's more than 100 feet long, and some panels are preserved to 8 feet in height. And it was a panel through the whole throne room, as you see in this picture here, now reconstructed in the British Museum. And look at some of the panels from this Sennacherib depiction of his siege of the city of Lachish. You see Sennacherib here seated on a throne, and there's an inscription right in front of him in cuneiform, which says, Sennacherib, king of the universe, king of Assyria, seated on his throne as the booty of Lachish is brought before him. And then commanders of his army are presenting the stuff that's being brought before him. It's a very interesting study of warfare. You can see the Judeans out of their military uniforms, the different beard styles and haircuts of the Judeans. The Judeans are bowing down, submitting before the king of Assyria, pleading for mercy. Take a closer look at some of the Assyrian soldiers and just note here the sling stones here in the slings of the soldiers. And of course, the arrowheads of the archers. And then also note the Assyrian soldier here with his shield and spear and helmet and this decorative flare piece up on the top of his helmet. Because at the site of Lachish, archaeologists have found these sling stones. Some of them are about the size of a tennis ball, others are a little bit smaller. And here are the arrowheads, and then that decorative piece from a, an Assyrian helmet. All these pieces have been found at the archaeological excavations at Lachish. And then note this depiction of the siege ramp. The Assyrians built a mound of earth leading up to the higher wall. And you can see battering rams being brought up against the city wall and city gate. If you look closely toward the bottom middle of the picture here, there are three Judeans that have been impaled upon poles outside the city. And just to the left of that, you can see women and children being taken as prisoners, exiled out from the city. You can really get a picture of what this warfare was like in the time of Sennacherib and King Hezekiah. But again, the siege ramp that they had to build to get up high enough to reach the walls of the city. You can see the Judeans were trying to throw burning torches onto the battering rams to burn them. And at the same time, the Assyrians were pouring water to prevent that from happening. And then in the excavations, the archaeologists have discovered the remains of this siege ramp that enabled the Assyrians to siege the wall of the city. This is really one of only a couple Assyrian siege ramps that have been found in the world. Another Assyrian siege ramp has been more recently discovered at Azeka, which was the other town in Judah that Sennacherib boasted about conquering. So again, the first point of the significance of this event is this incredible correlation and agreement of these three different sources relating to this event that occurred over 2,700 years ago. We have the Bible, of course. We have the non-biblical 
Assyrian records, which mention Hezekiah, Jerusalem, Lachish, and we have archaeological finds from the land of Israel and Assyria, all which testify that this is a real historical event. And historians agree that something happened here which caused the Assyrian Empire to leave Judea standing. It's almost unthinkable that Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrians by this time had conquered Aramea, conquered Tyre and Sidon, conquered Samaria, on their way to Egypt. It's unthinkable that Sennacherib would have left Hezekiah alive in Jerusalem. Something happened that caused Sennacherib to turn around and leave Jerusalem standing. The Bible says that Sennacherib was unsuccessful because of divine intervention, that Yahweh protected Judah. Which leads to the second reason why I believe this event has such significance, even though this event is somewhat unknown, it has real significance, is that the biblical authors present the destruction of the Assyrian military, which we'll talk about in just a minute, as a parallel to the destruction of the Egyptian military at the Reed Sea. And that both of these conquests or victories by Yahweh, one over Egypt and the other over Assyria, these are evidence that Yahweh, who is with Israel and Judah, is the supreme God, the only God. If you remember earlier, we mentioned that Sennacherib had sent a military unit to go and threaten Hezekiah up in Jerusalem. And Hezekiah receives this threat and counsels with the prophet Isaiah and prays to God. And he gets an answer from Yahweh. And this is the answer that he received. Thus says Yahweh, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Therefore thus says Yahweh, concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, that's Jerusalem, or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, says Yahweh. For I will defend this city to save it, for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Now, when Hezekiah got that word from Yahweh through the prophet Isaiah, he turned to the people. And Hezekiah declared before the people, as recorded in Second Chronicles 32, 7-8, he says, Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there is one greater with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is Yahweh our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now you can see the great faith in Hezekiah, this descendant of David. He trusted what Yahweh said, that Yahweh would defend the city. He trusted that Yahweh's power was greater than the Assyrian empirical power, and that Yahweh was in fact with them. And what's going to happen here to the Assyrian army is indeed evidence that God is with Judah. Because we turn to the end of the story, Isaiah chapter 37, verse 36, and we read, 
And the angel of Yahweh went forth and slew 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. Now that thousand may be a literal 1,000, or it could be a military unit, 185 units of soldiers. In any case, the Assyrian army was decimated and could not proceed to attack Jerusalem. Continuing Isaiah's description, When the men of Judah rose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. That is, the Assyrian army, at least a sizable portion of it, was dead. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and dwelt at Nineveh. So Judah didn't have to fight this battle. They got up and they found the Assyrian military decimated. Hundreds, thousands of dead bodies. Now, note the parallel to the decimation of the Egyptian military at the Reed Sea, Exodus 14.30. Thus Yahweh saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. There's the parallel. In both instances, Israelites go out and see their enemy is nothing but dead bodies. Those big, proud Assyrian soldiers and all their might and gear that is depicted on the Lachish relief, became nothing but dead bodies, just like the Egyptian military in Moses' day. Prophet Isaiah wants Judah to trust that their God is with them. He closes his book and says, Here's the end of the enemies of Yahweh. They shall go forth and look on the dead bodies of the men that have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die and their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Nothing but dead bodies, worm and fire food. That's what the enemies of Yahweh end up as. So this lesser known, not as much talked about event, I think is really important because it shows how these big imperial armies, Egypt in the days of Moses, and Assyria, the mightiest military power of its day, with little Israel, actually little Judah in between, holding on, surviving, saved, because of the power of Yahweh. Because Yahweh, God, was with them. Notice the prayer of Hezekiah was realized when he said, But now, Yahweh our God, save us out of his hand, out of the hand of the king of Assyria so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Yahweh, are God, you alone. And this is what happened. The mighty nation of Egypt was humbled, its military decimated. The mighty nation of Assyria humbled, its military decimated, gone, dead bodies. And Judah survived. This is evidence for all the kingdoms of the earth that Yahweh is God alone. This event, the decimation of the Assyrian army in the days of King Hezekiah, we can imagine how significant it was for the Judeans at that time. Like Yahweh's victory at the Reed Sea, the biblical authors recall the Assyrian military destruction as evidence which declares that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the only true God and that he rules over the nations. Like in the Psalms, Psalm 48, for instance which says, 
Yahweh is great and worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy hill, Mount Zion. God is in her fortresses. He makes himself known as her defender. Behold, the kings assemble, they advance together. As soon as they see it, they are shocked, they're terrified, they quickly retreat. We heard about God's mighty deeds, that is, like the decimation of the Egyptian military at the Reed Sea. We heard about God's mighty deeds. Now we have seen them in the city of Yahweh of the armies, in the city of our God. So, to sum up, the Assyrian records and modern archaeology uniquely come together to illuminate and confirm the reality of the biblical record. And, like the destruction of the Egyptian army at the Reed Sea, the devastation of the Assyrian army in the days of King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah are evidence, even for Gentiles, that Yahweh, the God of Israel, He alone is God. The humble will hear and rejoice. The maps in this video are from the Satellite Bible Atlas.